welcome to another episode of the Rochester Club 476 podcast. I'm your host Suman Swesta and this show includes speeches given by me and my fellow toastmasters at our club in Rochester, New York. We meet every 2 weeks and this episode is from our meeting on August 17, 2023. If you are not a member of Toastmasters, I hope this podcast helps you see the value that these clubs bring. To put it simply, Toastmasters club are individual groups that come together to assist each other with public speaking. Some people do it to help them in their career and some do it for personal reasons. And Toastmasters is international with over 15,000 clubs in 149 different countries. Anyways, I'm going to get right to the episode. If you want to learn more, you can listen to the intro episode of this podcast or go to the show notes for a direct link to the Toastmasters website to find a club that is local to you. First up, we have a new speaker to this podcast, Mr. Isaac Perez Raya. Mr. Isaac visited our club as a guest. He is our Toastmasters area director. This is his first time giving this speech. The title of his speech is Explaining Modeling of Temperature and Fluid Dynamics in Bubbles. Now, this speech is a little longer than usual speeches because Isaac was going to present this speech the next day to a group of engineers and scientists at NASA who were interested in generating predictive tools of boiling in microgravity for space exploration. So, Here is Isaac Perez Raya with explaining modeling of temperature and fluid dynamics in bubbles. Bubbles are amazing. They create chaos that agitates the liquid around and because of this motion engineers are using them to remove higher levels of heat in power plants and also in microelectronics and many other applications of boiling and bubbles there are certain questions that remain unanswered one of them is how much liquid can a bubble agitate how much heat can the bubble remove And to answer these questions, uh, there is computer modeling. Computer modeling is now an advantage because we have access to computer resources never seen before. Hundreds of cores and GPUs available. So this is what I end up doing for my research. I develop a model to simulate the formation of a bubble. I propose three main methods. If you are going to model the bubble, you will see a computational grid with tons of cells. You will see vapor cells, you will see liquid cells, and then you will see an interface. And one of the first thing is how much liquid evaporates. So I propose this method 
where if I zoom in this region, you will see the interface, vapor cells, liquid cells, and my, what my method does is it assumes that the interface has the saturation temperature, then it goes into the liquid and finds the G cell, it compares the difference between the temperature at the G cell and the saturation temperature and uses that difference to calculate how much liquid evaporates. The second method I propose is, okay, so you have vapor cells, liquid cells, but what about the temperature of the interface cells, where which are the cells that are hosting the interface? How do you calculate this temperature? Very simple. You have the temperature of the G cell, you have the temperature of the interface, so you assume linear temperature variation, and by interpolation, you find the temperature of the interface cells. Good. What about if you have a charming interface, there may be deformations, breaking of the interface, how do you avoid that? So I propose this method where I segregate some of the cells. So if you see this interface, there is vapor liquid, I will declare only mass transfers in cells A, C, E, and, and G. I won't declare mass transfer in cells B, D, and F. By why and how, I how do I distinguish these cells? Well, cells A, C, E, and G share one of their faces with a vapor cell. And that's how I do it. The fourth method I developed is calculate the length or the size of the interface in the cell. The main advantages of my methods is they, they are direct, they don't use any empirical parameters, and uh, you don't need any additional equations to, uh, solve, for, to solve for these methods. Now, I am using this software called ANSYS Fluent. It's a software for simulation. So it will solve the fluid behavior inside the bubble, and it will also solve the fluid behavior outside the bubble. But I will take care of the bubble edge, and that's what I do with my methods. And that's what this software is not capable of, taking care of the bubble edge. So instead of solving all equations myself, I, I use this software, I customize it to only take care of the bubble edge. I didn't go into the simulation of the bubble directly. I simplify it. Let's start simple. You have vapor, you have liquid, and then you have a planar interface that moves only in one direction. It's so simple that there are theoretical or equations that you can derive on paper to tell you what should be the interface displacement as a function of time and what should be the temperature based on the condition. So I, condi I, I, I model a superheated liquid with a maximum temperature of five Kelvin. And my interface moves because liquid becomes vapor. And what you see here is the temperature distribution in the liquid. Now, 
In these figures, I'm showing in the y-axis the interface displacement, in the x-axis the time, and this figure shows the temperature distribution at one second for three different cases I analyzed. The main thing to observe here is circles are the results of, my, of the theoretical equations, and lines are the results of my simulation. My simulation is able to predict very well the interface displacement as well as the temperature distribution. Okay, now let's go into the action. Can we simulate a bubble? This is a 3D simulation I conducted using the software and my methods to manage the bubble edge. This is, I place a pool of liquid which is superheated and I also place a small vapor embryo on the heated surface. And at the bubble edge, liquid evaporates, bubble grows, and eventually it departs. My simulation was able to preserve the interface sharpness despite the high curvature of the bubble. Also, it revealed a meniscus region with high, with high temperature variations near the contact line. And it also revealed that when the bubble is growing, it's actually agitating the liquid a lot, but near bubble departure, what this bubble does is it sends liquid towards the cold liquid towards the hot surface. And that is one of the reasons of the high heat dissipation of the bubble. When I calculated the pressure, I also saw a good agreement with theory. The next thing I modeled was called something called film boiling. So you put, you put a film of vapor in contact with the heated surface and then you let your simulation and bubble will grow because liquid will evaporate. And these are the results I, I obtained. So you can see the vapor firm grows, evolves into a beautiful bubble. And the main thing here is the sharp interface. Look at this thermal uh, thin film that I am able to capture with my uh, models. This is the temperature distribution and this is the pressure distribution, which is also very well captured by my simulation. Now, let's remove, or let's use one of the methods available in the technical literature for one, for one of my methods. So let's remove the method for calculation of the size of the interface in a cell. And I will, instead of using my method, I will use one of the methods available. If I do that, this is what I get for this simulation. Uh, I'm just by, by ignoring my method for interface size, the simulation is not able to capture the thin thermal film. And this is one of the one of the characteristics of this simulation. They are very sensitive to any assumptions that you do, and if you do the ground assumption, then you don't capture the real physics. To conclude, boiling and bubbles are amazing. They agitate the liquid. And I developed a robust method to simulate boiling, proposed methods for direct calculation of the mass transfer, the interpolation of the interface cells, the preservation of the interface sharpness, and the calculation of the interface size. By doing this approach, in ANSYS Fluent, 
I am able to do 3D modeling of boiling and firm boiling. So now the question is why bubbles can remove uh, heat efficiently? How much fluid does a bubble agitate? I'm ready to answer these questions. My, my quote is collaboration is equal to no limits. And with NASA engineers like you, I'm sure that we will answer these questions. Back to you. Great speech, Isaac, and thank you for being willing to share it on the podcast. Next up, we have a returning speaker to this podcast, Miss Michelle Reyes. This is her first time giving this speech. The title of her speech is Leadership Speaking Styles. Now, here is Michelle Reyes with Leadership Speaking Styles. You know, leadership speaking is effectively for communication, it inspires, it influences others, it captivates an audience, it conveys um, uh, ideas persuasively, hopefully, and most of all, it, it, it causes others to, uh, to take motion, take action in motion. Speaking involves clarity, confidence, empathy, and adaption of style to whatever you're speaking for. And most important, knowing who you're speaking to, knowing your audience. And being a masterful speaker for public speaker, you, you've got, you want some, obviously have some communication skills. And why is effective speaking so necessary? Well, it gets you to relate to your audience, gives you tr your trust to your audience, you become likable, believable, you can educate, like we just found out, uh, your audience, you can be inspirational, and you can be entertaining. Little jazz hands here. <laughs> so what is your style? Now I was researching leadership styles, and I came across four to 12 different styles. I chose these 10 because I felt that it was most likely what our, our group is, would be doing. So number one is authoritative, and that's just giving you the confidence and to be, to give uh, your opinion and be assertive with your expertise. Inspirational gives you, uh, motivate and uplift you to help your uh, audience feel more uplifted. Democratic, as we know, it allows your audience to be, to, to combine in with your, your communications and be able to exchange ideas. Servant, servant is more of a, a quiet, more trying to find out why your people are listening to you and and, and it gives you the, gives you, you can use stories and to get people motivated and with others, the stories and anecdotes. Transformational is giving people the incentive to move and move ahead and be more productive. Coaching is, is more of giving feedback and, and 
positive growth intentions. Transactional is an exchange of ideas that helps build community and, and, and your audience. Situational is when you all of a sudden your situation changes and your situation changes as you're talking to your audience and you have to make these adjustments. Charismatic is just, you know, having this bubbly personality and being persuasive in that way. And laissez-faire is just, you know, giving people the go-ahead to lead their own ideas and, and, and decisions. So how do you identify your style? Now I'm sure all our seasoned TMs know their style. So this is really for us newbies, okay? Including me. And there's eight steps I found to follow. Self-reflection. How do you speak to, how do you feel you speak to your friends, your, your colleagues? It, what kind of, how would, you know, how, would, how do you feel about your friends and colleagues when you speak to them? Do you change your way you're, that you speak to them? Feedback. Feedback from our mentors here, our evaluations. That's what's so important. Accessing traits. It's your traits for your weaknesses and your strengths. And then trying to see where it fits into your speaking style. Analyze past speaking um, engagements. That's what those evaluation forms are. That's why we're here and that's why we get evaluated so we can take that information back and then be able to redevelop our style. So you should familiarize yourself with those 10 different styles and then compare where you are in that with, the, with your leadership style. Which one fits into your style mostly? Consider content because context because it does change and if you see your audience changing you kind of need to adjust to that too experiment and observe change your style you know try something different try trying trying to use a different style and see how they work how does it engage people does it make a difference and number eight seek professional assessment that's what we're here for our toastmaster evaluations and a mentor now for me, as a health and life coach, I chose the coaching pathway. And, the co and this is what I found when I was changing from being a leader in my professional organization. I was president of our local and state and did stuff at our national level. And I, I mean, that previous style was very authoritative, yet de uh, democratic, and a transactional where I could include people and use them to, to, to work upon so we could work together. In my coaching style, I found that I'm more inspirational, transformational, servient, and charisma because of my uh, charisma because of my passion for what I'm doing. So a growth, uh, coaching growth mindset provides my uh, guidance, feedback, motivation, recognition and appreciation of our clients. Now remember, styles will evolve. They evolve over time. And this is where you can redefine your, your skills and it changes with opportunities, uh, with your professional and leadership opportunities like mine had done after I retired from dental hygiene. But in conclusion, 
I want you to embrace your strengths, work on the areas that need improvement, adapt your style to effectively communicate, inspire, and influence your, uh, your audience with your leadership skills that you're learning and, you know, by the spoken word. Nice work, Ms. L, and thank you for sharing this space with us on the podcast. Next up, we have another returning speaker to this podcast, Mr. John Farnam. This is his first time giving this speech. The title of his speech is Hail the Goer. Now, this is actually an eulogy. So please be aware that it will touch upon sensitive and emotional themes such as the loss of a loved one and grief. If you feel that this content may be too distressing for you, you are welcome to skip this speech. Here is John Farnham with Hail the Goer. So I want to talk a bit about, um, hopefully do so without cracking up. About three weeks ago, my uh, friend Dave passed away after a really short illness. I'm sorry. Uh, Dave was uh, a friend, a coach, um, a sponsor, big guy with an even bigger heart. We really miss him really miss him. Dave didn't have a funeral and I've really gotten no closure. So this is hopefully going to bring me some of that. Dave was born in 1958. He grew up in Irondequoit. Uh, he was adopted by Jed and Linda Bullock, I believe. He had one sister that he was biologically related to. She lives downstate someplace. They were somewhat estranged, but Dave was her caretaker in most recent years. I first met Dave in 2016 as a part of the Mankind Project. We were uh, staffing uh, an experiential men's weekend and I kind of fell in love with the guy right there. He was just so funny, larger than life. And he was a big guy. When I say he was a big guy, I needed a step stool to give this guy a hug. He was a big dude. And I never I never thought that uh, I would get so close to him in such a short time. I did. Uh, he taught me how to shoot skeet. And he helped me uh, reinvent myself. And um, I'm sorry. When I, uh, when I joined Toastmasters, he was thrilled. And he frequently asked me how, how this was going. I miss him. Hail the Goer. Hail, uh, Hail the Goer is a, uh, I think it's a Buddhist. It's a Buddhist saying when somebody passes, it's a way of honoring the person who's passing to the next realm. When Dave's father died, the 
the guys in his group, of which I was one, we all said, hell the goer. And um, I won't, I, I haven't had a chance to, uh, to do that with any of our mutual friends yet. He was like a brother to me for the last five or six years. Shooting won't be the same. Nothing's gonna be the same. So there's a huge void left by uh, this big guy, Dave Bullock. God, he was big. <laughs> he had a bigger heart. He had a big mouth. He had a big sense of humor. There was nothing about him that was that was undersized. He was everything was supersized, and he was uh, he was very charismatic. He was funny. Um, he used to say, uh, "Love was an acronym for leave others valuable experiences." Dave did that. Did that for me, big time. For a guy that never had kids, he was uh, he was a great father figure, kind of like the cool uncle that I never had, and uh, he taught me a lot in a short time. This uh, this Saturday we're gonna have a gratitude party. Dave was big about gratitude. Start off every day with gratitude, and I do uh, because of him. And at five o'clock, everybody who's everybody who's there <laughs> at the outlet Rod and Gun Club is gonna have an opportunity to shoot one of Dave's hats, <laughs> and you get your hat shot when you get a straight. In, uh, in skeet or in the clay sports when you get a perfect score everybody you're shooting with gets to shoot your hat and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna really get some closure I think when I when I <laughs> help shoot Dave's hat but boy he was he was just the best guy that I ever knew and I I've only known him a fraction of time that I've known many other people in my life and um, boy he left a mark and a big void I can only imagine how his wife feels so I, I appreciate you uh, listening to me break up break up up here and, uh, and get some of this out so that's it Dave Bullock Hail the Goer Well, there you go. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed hearing all these speeches. And thank you to the speakers again for sharing your speeches with us. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, the best ways to support are to either go ahead and leave a review where you are listening or share the podcast with someone who would enjoy as well. Also, if you'd like to give some feedback to any of the speakers, I will leave my email in the show notes and I will make sure to forward your messages on to them. If you are interested in learning more about Toastmasters, just head to toastmasters.org. I will leave a direct link in the show notes as well. The music used in this episode is Spark of Inspiration by Shane Ivers. 
from SilvermanSound.com. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you next time on the Rochester Club 476 podcast.